Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Fighting Films Podcast. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris. Um, me and my two friends, Jess and Stefan, we like to take two movies that have something in common and pit them against each other or just talk about their similarities or just end up liking them and talk about them. Jess, what are we talking about today? We are talking about invisible men and the people that love or maybe not so much love them. Yeah, that's right. Our fighting <laughs> films for today, which um, we, we joked before, we're not sure how much of a fight it is, but re-watching these, um, I was amazed at how much more similar they were thematically than I had remembered. Um, we have Hollow Man and the 2020 movie that started off this year, basically, for me, um, The Invisible Man um both fan, well, both fun films, should I say? I won't call them both fantastic <laughs> films. The Invisible Man is a fantastic film, but um, Jess, would you like to start us off on talking about The Invisible Man? Well, I actually have to start uh, long before the Ooh. 2020 version of Invisible Man, which is actually the last movie Stefan and I saw in a theater before. Uh, COVID happened. That's right. Um, but my love of the Invisible Man goes back a long, long time. He is my favorite universal monster, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and actually, when I was in elementary school, my mom brought me to see uh, the play at the Children's Theater here in Minneapolis uh, of the Invisible Man. And it was really cool and really interesting and how they did the invisible man with black lights and at one point he was wearing just like you could just see like sunglasses and like a pair of boxers running around the stage it was hilarious oh that's awesome so, wow. I, yeah. I love that kind of like um practical low budget you know clever more clever than it needs to be theatrical stuff i love that yeah, so it was really fun, and it really, you know, intrigued me, and um, I've just kind of had a, you know, special place in my heart for The Invisible Man. Yeah, so, um, you know, fast forward to, you know, 2000s, and, you know, Hollow Man came out, which is which is what we're talking about with Stefan, and I totally loved that movie and saw it, you know, a thousand times, and I own it, and I, you know, it... It is very problematic in its own right, but it's also, you know, very interesting. And I love the uh, special effects. But when well, I saw the ads for I was gonna the say, 2020 version of Invisible Man, oh my word. I knew I had to see it right away in the theater. Um, the only thing I was confused about was um, in the ads when they threw paint on him in one scene um i i was wondering why he looked like a golf ball right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and thank god it was not a goof yeah no no um i i definitely had the thought behind it that it was going to be you know some sort of special suit um with the way you know technology is nowadays and uh, suits like this have been kind of teased in other movies. Um, so I definitely was going that way of thinking. But I was like, why? Why does he look like a golf ball when she throws paint on him? Like, that's so strange. <laughs> um, and, you know, we find out later that it is a uh, suit full of cameras. Um, her, uh, so... Um, 
basically going through the film, uh, it's about a woman who um, is leaving her boyfriend um, and goes and stays with another friend. And uh, we find out that he's been abusive and just not treating her well. And he's a... um, Oh, shoot. What was the name of it specifically? Um, An optical engineer. Thank you. Yes, an optical engineer. And uh, at one point, she walks through his uh, studio, and there are, like, four or five different suits lined along the back. And then, like, there's one, like, room that has some clips, like, it's holding something, but you can't see anything in there. So, you know, it's really kind of bizarre. Um, And, you know, you see those things and that kind of hints at what's going on. Um, Anyway, so she escapes this house, meets up with her sister, and her sister is one of two people in this movie that does one thing that drives me nuts. I know what you're going to say. She gets in the car and her sister's like, what is going on? And she's like, yep. I'll tell you later, just drive. And she's like, no, what's going on? And all of a sudden, uh, boyfriend who's finally awake after getting woken up by a car alarm, even though she has drugged him with diazepam, um, comes running up, breaks the car window, is trying to like grab her from the inside of the car. Um, and that's when her sister gets scared and drives off. And the second person to do this in the film is she hires a uh, Uber or Lyft driver. And, (laughs) you know, this is later in the film where she has been attacked by uh, ex-boyfriend who's supposedly dead, who's invisible and, you know, whooping her. And, you know, she's getting away from him and... uh, so she calls this Uber driver, and she's like, he's like, oh, you know, that place you're going, it's pretty far away. And she's like, yep, just drive. Just drive, just go. And instead of driving forward, he's driving this big old, like, GMC honking SUV and does, like, a three-point turnaround in the slowest way possible. And it's like, no, you're trying to make a hasty exit. Get out of there. <laughs> exactly. So, like, if if somebody gets in your car and says, go, drive, drive, go, go. Because you don't know what's coming after them and exactly. after, you, after you now. Exactly. They could be, you know, running from an abusive partner. They could be needing a getaway driver from a bank robbery. You don't know. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I've been kind of jumping around here, but she stays with this friend. Um, Her sister comes to visit, and she says to her sister, hey, I have this plan. He knows where you live. He's going to follow you here. And she's like, hold it, sis. You can stop worrying. Boyfriend is dead. And there was an article released that she um, shows to her about how he completed suicide and um so her goal over the last two weeks was to go get the mail out of the mailbox at the curb and she has been so frightened and so scared um she being cecilia our main character 
uh, goes out to get the mail finally, brings it in, you know, she's happy and, you know, feels free, and she gets a piece of mail there, which she even says, oh, this is strange, nobody knows I'm here, and um, she opens the letter, which isn't even sealed, is very interesting, mm-hmm. um, to say that she's an heir to ex-boyfriend's um, fortune, because he's some mega millionaire, um, and oh my god, his house is gorgeous, and the view, but either way, he's a disgusting person. Um, and so, her sister's a lawyer, they go to um, the brother of the dead ex-boyfriend, who is also a lawyer, and uh, basically, they're like, you know, the only reason we're here is to get the money that you talked about. And the brother was like, you know, you'll get it, but I have to read this statement. And uh, the statement left by um, Adrian, which is the ex, and uh, he starts in on it and basically like, you know, I never thought you would leave me. I thought we could just talk things out. And... Uh, her sister shuts it down. She's like, no. No, no, we're not doing this. Like, there's there's no chance we're doing this. We're not putting my sister through this emotional trauma. No. And she says, you know, if there was any chance of him physically being in the room with us, we wouldn't be here. And uh, lawyer brother is like, oh, you are physically in the room with him. You know, those are his ashes over there. And uh, just kind of from there, um, she winds up getting $5 million over the course of, uh, I want to say, five years or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's getting like $50,000 a month. And, uh, you know, sets up a bank account for the daughter of her guy friend that she's staying with, who's a police officer. Um and gets him a new ladder because he's painting the house and really needs one. <laughs> and she spreads the wealth really well. She, she does. does like that, yeah. She does. Um, and actually, right after this point is where we start kind of getting chills. Um, she's she's putting away some clothes that she had gotten. Uh, she went on like a little shopping spree or something, which I don't blame her because all she left her uh, ex's house with was like an overnight duffel bag. So totally understandable. But she starts getting this creepy feeling that she's being watched. And um, this this kind of carries out over the next couple of weeks. Um, there's a point where uh, she, I think it's the next night, she is sharing a bed with her friend's daughter, who's like 18, I want to say. Um, and uh, at one point, the blanket gets pulled off of them, and we Ooh. see flashes of light, mm-hmm. which, creepy, creepy, creepy. Like, if, if the blanket came off of them, if they kicked it off, like, it would have been bunched on one side or another or at the bottom of the bed. No, this is all the way off the floor, off the end of the bed, or on the floor, off the end of the bed. 
and um, Cecilia goes to pick it back up, and something is keeping it pinned to the floor. <laughs> and so she can't pull it, and she's looking at this blanket like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, you see another footstep on the blanket as, you know, whatever's pinning it steps forward, freaks her out, so that kind of really gives her the full, like, holy crap, something's going on. Um, and then the next day, she, I want to say, has a uh, interview. Which, hey, good for you. Like, you've been out, like, a month. Good for you for getting on your feet and trying to get a job and everything. Like, and despite all the money coming in, especially. Right. Exactly. You don't need to do that, yeah. Yeah, like, she wants to get back into the workforce. She wants to, you know, pick up her life and get moving again. That's it's, awesome. It's the full, I don't need you, you know, yes. like, middle mm-hmm. finger. Right. Yep, for exactly. Sure. Uh, but when she goes to show the guy who's interviewing her at this architecture firm her body of work, her portfolio, it is not in the case she's been carrying around. So that's a little weird. And then she starts to feel a little weird. And she winds up passing out at this interview, which, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. I know, I, th- I think um, it's safe to say she wasn't called back, unfortunately. No, 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 no. Even though the guy was hitting on her. Like, yeah. that just, that in, a, in and of itself is like, really. Um, but yeah, so, you know, didn't get called back. But um, she later on is, uh, gets out of the shower get well they leave the hospital she takes a shower and gets a phone call from the doctor and is like oh yeah the reason you passed out is because you had a bunch of diazepam in your system oh no what and that is the same drug that she used to drug uh ex-boyfriend at the beginning of the film so that he wouldn't wake up and she could make her escape. But she winds up dropping it in the road as she's making her escape. But, lo and behold, it's sitting there on the uh, countertop next to the sink with, you know, some blood on it. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, he got her back um, and sabotaged her. And so... Uh, just, you know, trying to move forward through this. Um, she uh, she also goes to her sister's house at one point, And her sister's like, you know, I don't need you. Like, thanks for the email. You know, I, I guess I know where we stand now. And Cecilia's like, what email? And goes home and finds out that an email has been written to her sister saying, you know, you, you, like, strangle me. You completely, you know, oh, goodness, my brain is shorting out. But just, um, you know, I don't need you. I wish you had died instead of Adrian, et cetera, et cetera. Like, super It's vile. It is. Um, 
And so her sister doesn't want anything to do with her. She goes home. She's crying her eyes out. And Sydney, she's she is so the MVP of this movie, and we'll get to it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she goes to Cecilia and is like, "Hey, you know, let's kick Dad out tonight. Let's have a girls' night. Let's watch some movies. Let's eat some cake." And Cecilia's like, "You know what? That sounds really great." And just as she goes to stand up, um. Something just smacks Sydney upside the head. Like she gets smacked across That's the face, hard. knocked back down on the floor. And, you know, neither of them know what happened. And, you know, the only logical conclusion is that Cecilia hit Sydney. Sydney starts freaking out, Dad, Dad, Cecilia hit me. Like, um, and so. You know, uh, police dad comes in and is like, no, you know, you've been acting weird. You need to find another place to stay. Stay away from my daughter. She's my number one concern right now. You need to go. We're going to we're going to go somewhere. And by the time we get back, you can't be here pretty much. Um, so they leave. And that's when Cecilia is really like, okay. Okay, you're you're here, like obviously, and she uh, she tries to corner herself into the room she's staying in and pours a bunch of coffee all over the floor, coffee grounds, which is smart ideally, but the bathroom door is open. There's space around her, so like he could have already been over next to her, mm-hmm. which I'm just like, uh. That that's not really helpful. But she sits there for like a minute and a half and then she's like, Okay, he's not coming to get me. And she's like, If he's here, his phone's gotta be here. So she goes over to the phone in her little I don't know if it's a like study or something she's staying in. It's like got a little couch that she's been sleeping on um but she calls his phone and she hears it start vibrating only to realize it's coming from inside the house house. inside (laughs) the house i would i would bolt i would bolt out of there so fast that that trope is such a reused thing and every time i shit myself no kidding it it scares the that idea scares the crap out of me yeah yeah yep so the the call is coming from inside the house to another phone inside the house and she realizes it is in the attic above her and she goes up to the attic to find um, her portfolio with her missing work. There is a knife wrapped in plastic, and it's a knife from the kitchen. And she takes it out of the plastic, which I'm like, don't put your fingerprints on there. Yeah, like, they might already be on there, but you don't need to add more. Um, and she finds his phone, and she's looking through her stuff and her portfolio to make sure. You know, it's still all there. The phone gets a text that says, surprise. 
Yell. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh shit. My word. Now this one little word has a lot to do in this movie. Yes. Um, and it's it's really great. And I've actually noticed like this one word is actually um tied in throughout most of the film to Adrian. Um and it seems like key things are connected to different people, like Lawyer Brother and his gold pen. Yep. Um mm-hmm. in every scene that we see him, that gold pen is out somewhere. So like we see it every time. So it's like gold pen lawyer brother. Like there's no there's no uh there's no discerning it. Um or like the color sky blue. Like Sydney has always got something sky blue. So I just I found that really interesting with uh different characters and different items or you know, word color, etc. Um so anyway, she uh she turns around, still doesn't see anything, obviously. Um, but creeps back to the attic door with the knife in hand. So she's going to use it for protection. And she just gets this sense and, you know, dumps a bucket of paint down the attic door. And right in front of her is a head that looks like a golf ball. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, now we know that it's, well, not quite yet. Um, we learn in a little bit that it's a suit made of cameras. Uh, but, you know, he he jumps down. He shakes off the paint. He goes into the kitchen, tries to wash all the paint off of him. And uh, Cecilia is following. And he had actually knocked over this new ladder that she had used to get up into the attic. Which, oh my word, this woman is in fantastic physical like prowess oh yeah Mm -hmm. like the stunts and i know there are stunt people but the things that this character has to go through like in the beginning of the film when she's trying to get rid of or get away from adrian she you know she's going through the house you know getting ready packing up changing runs across a yard scales a fence runs through a little forest you know, so all that to get away from this guy and then, you know, drop out of this attic hatch without a ladder. And she like lowers herself down and even has like a good, you know, four foot drop still. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would break my knees. Fun like, fact, Elizabeth Moss did all of her stunts in this movie. Ooh. Wow. And, then she's definitely I mean, in amazing physical prowess. If you watched the last season of uh, The Handmaid's Tale, you'd see she had a lot of good training. Assuming yeah, she did a lot of her stunts on that show. The behind-the-scenes stuff for this movie, if you haven't watched it, is insane. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's insane. I've, I've watched some of it. Um, my favorite being the um, very specific camera they used for the mm-hmm. kitchen fight scene. Mm-hmm. And how on point they had to be. Like, it was a numerical sequence that they had to program into this very specific 
camera and like the actors had to keep up with this camera and numerical sequence or the camera was going to shoot <laughs> without them basically right right and so yeah. You know, it's this, like, crazy, like, robotic arm spinning camera. And with just how precise each movement had to be. And I've I've been a longtime fan of choreography, dancing, fighting, mm-hmm. all things like that. Like, you're not actually getting hurt in it. But, you know, acting through it and whatnot. I used to be a huge wrestling fan. Um, and you know, a lot of those are choreographed. And, uh, so I just, I think it's so interesting to see how sequences are put together and it's just really fun to see, you know, people working together to put on a show. Um, but just, you know, from, so basically Cecilia follows, who we assume is Adrian into the kitchen, you know, and she can't see him. He can see her and, you know, she's still got a knife and eventually he winds up, you know, picking her up by the neck. He's got to have like superhuman strength. I don't know what is going on here, but knocks her against a wall. They fall down. They're tumbling and fighting. She goes, she gets thrown across the dining room table and just, all over the place and this fight sequence is just amazing and fantastic and you know it's again um really great to see a woman fighting back and not just giving up you know like she's reaching in drawers to find something to hit him with and you know grabbing plates and doing all she can instead of just oh i'm a dainty severe woman i give up i have no strength no, like, <laughs> yep. this woman wants to live. This woman is going to kick your ass. Um, and so, let's see. James has been, uh, James is a uh, police daddy. Um, and he has been witnessing Cecilia... Being kind of weird and having some weird tendencies and saying she's seeing things that aren't there lately, which is understandable. Um, But after the fight scene in the kitchen, she finally makes it out of the house and calls that Uber driver who takes forever to turn around. And, like, he's like, oh, you know, this this place is really far out of the city. And she's like, yep, sure is. And I've actually had, uh, I don't use Uber, but I use Lyft. And I've actually had drivers who have given me a ride home and they start complaining once we get here. They're like, oh, there are no rides out here. And it's like, I didn't promise you any other rides, sir. Yeah, Jesus. Like... You're you're getting, you know, paid now, but honestly, your tip is going to go down a little for you acting like this. Yeah. Um, but her being the person she is, they get to they get back to Adrian's house, which, you know, once she gets inside is all covered with plastic and whatnot because nobody's lived there for a while. And Adrian is supposedly dead. Um, 
And she actually says to the Uber driver, can you wait for me? We, you'll, you can drive me back to the city. Like, it might be two minutes. might be two minutes. It might be 20 minutes. You know, just wait for me. And uh, so she gets there. And she, you know, sees her puppy again, Zeus, who uh, in the beginning was the one to set off the car alarm and wake Adrian up. And, you know, sometimes dogs are clumsy, and that happens. <laughs> um, the only reason she stopped to help him was because he had an electric collar on him, which, thank you, Cecilia. Like, those are gross. Um, yep. But dog bumped his car, is you know, probably $90,000 car. And alarm went off and woke up Adrian and she had to get out of there and scale a fence and go through a forest and yada, yada, yada. Um, but anyway, she gets back in the house and has to figure out um, how to see whatever is in this room. And she tries a couple different passwords and they don't work. And then she tries the day they met. And it works. And she's like, oh, what a romantic. <laughs> and um, come to find out that, uh, you know, after she messes with it a little bit, it is a suit made of cameras. So it, I guess, actively reflects everything it is seeing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in optics, and I'm not in technology, so I'm not 100% sure how that works, but it's still pretty cool. It is. It's it's really cool. You could actually look up um, videos. They they use this technology on cars already for, like, advertisements, oh. where, they'll, where they'll, you know, it, it's not as quick to react, right, as the suit in this movie. But yeah. they'll put a car, you know, pull a car up. And it takes a photo of what's behind it and then projects it to the front and it camouflages itself. And then they bring ads up on the screen. Like the car pulls up, disappears, and then the advertisement for the car or whatever comes up. And they're really cool videos. And wow. the thing is, is you have to be standing right in front of it for it to work, right? Where the idea of this suit is it's like 3D hexagonal shapes. So no matter where you're standing, it's perfect. But the technology is real, which I think is really cool. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. That's I'm going on you creepy. I'm going on YouTube after this. Yeah, <laughs> it's again. It, yeah. That that's the thing I, I love about uh, Leigh Whannell, um, the director yes. of this, is both in the film Upgrade and in this, he presents future tech that's based on existing things. Um, okay. so it's always just a let's take two steps further into the future on this, but not go so far that it doesn't seem like it could work, and yeah. um. It's a really interesting career uh, for this guy. Um, he's the writing partner of um, James Wan, who made yes. Saw. They made Saw yep. together. Yes. And, and Leigh Whannell was actually the star of Saw. He was the guy um, yep. tied up in the room with Carrie Elways, right? And yes. James Wan is now making Aquaman and Fast and the Furious films. And Leigh Whannell is making Blumhouse horror movies. And I just think it's <laughs> awesome that the two of them are just doing so well. I mean, right, like, e starting even in, you know, February of this year when this came out, this is touted as one of the best movies of the year, and I still feel like oh, it yeah. is. It is. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
a lot of movies couldn't come out in 2020, but yeah, but is, still, even oh so. shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. For this to be the last movie that Stefan and I saw in a theater, like it's it's pretty amazing. For for, for a sure. tiny for a tiny aside, did you hear that Karen Kusama, um, director of The Invitation, because of the success of this film, is making a Dracula movie? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that was yeah. A I'm so freaking excited about that. Okay. Yeah, this this movie was actually supposed to be part of the Dark Universe line. Dark Universe. But yes, but with bombed. how bad, <laughs> but with how bad the mummy bombed and what was it, Dracula Untold? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, they, Frank, or whatever yeah, else. they they kind of. Uh, kind of cut those ties there mm-hmm. um but Lay Winnell was definitely a big reason I wanted to see this movie um I'm I'm a big fan of the Saw movies um I love the story of them and yeah um I love love Carrie Elwes he is one of my favorite actors has been for a very long time and so that's what actually drew me to the first one and the whole concept that, you know, it's an entire movie basically shot in a room. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. More or less. And so, you know, that really spoke to me. You know, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, a really cool idea. Um, did you guys catch the little Saw Easter egg during this movie? Yes. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Uh um, Chris, was that a no? No, I said yes. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was so excited. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't forget the uh, the Easter egg for the uh, the original Invisible Man. Yes. Uh, I did not catch that one. It was at the part where um, where uh, uh, she's in the hospital in the waiting room, Ooh. and they wheel someone on a gurney that's covered in bandages. Yeah. Most like latex advantages, yeah. Okay. It's um, like you it's like you blink and you miss it. Uh, it's it's yeah. a really good one though, because mm-hmm. it, it's and again, I I want to let you keep talking about this movie, Jesse, because no, you're doing No, you're doing an incredible uh recap of it and breakdown, and it's just I'm like experiencing it again for the first time, mm-hmm. just listening. But uh you know, <laughs> it's just I I love the re-envisioning of this story with like a future tech kind of story. Yeah. I, I didn't expect mm. that to work and I didn't know that's where they were going to go with it. And um, I love the idea of it, you know, not being some serum or something. It, it's it, like they simplified and then made it more complicated all at the same time. And I, mm-hmm. I really like that, that idea. Um, well, and they it, took that chance and made it work. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love how, um, and you know, you've already hinted on this, but I just love how subtle this movie is with, you know, the horror is in our actors. And like, you know, um, when we meet Adrian and see him, Adrian just exudes, I've done horrible shit and I'm a controlling evil bastard. Mm -hmm. The movie doesn't have to show him do that, you know? Um, Elizabeth Moss exudes, you know, I have PTSD from a horribly abusive relationship and I, and I need to get out of it, but I just couldn't. And it's affected everything about my life. 
but they don't. And, and again, when we talk about Hollow Man, we can get into this. And, and I'm not saying this, you know, Paul Verhoeven is Dutch and the Dutch have a very different way of doing cinema than we do. But it was great to see a movie that's about, you know, relationship abuse that doesn't sexualize it at all. It's mm-hmm. like it's there and you know that that shit's what went down. But the movie is not trying to be an erotic thriller. It's not trying yes. to make make Elizabeth Moss something for you to gaze at, even though she's a beautiful woman. She's, you know, she's the strong, like diehard kind of character, like making it through this movie. And mm-hmm. I love that it never moves away from that. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. But you still some of the best parts of the movie coming up. So I'll let you go back. Apologies. <laughs> No, it's it's all good. That's what, you know, that's what I was kind of doing. I just watched, I just rewatched the movie a few hours ago. So that's why I'm, like, being so specific about it. Um, and I, I really love this movie. Um, it gets to a point, though, where, and I know I literally just watched this movie, but I forget where the, um how she gets admitted to the hospital. Oh god, yeah. Anyone? Oh, oh, uh what uh, you cut out there for a sec, sorry, Jesse. Sorry, the, the hospital is right after the dinner sequence, right? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say you yes, we have to talk about okay, that. The, oh my god, we have to yes. talk about that. Greatest horror sequence of the last 15 years. No, definitely. The, I will never forget at the scene, that scene in question, like in the theater, how loud the gasp from everyone, myself included, it sounded like it was happening in the movie. I watched yeah. it. It was it, just, oh I my God. At home on my headphones next to my wife. And the movie's tense as hell, but yes. it, it, it kind of sets you up to go, okay, this movie's tense, but this is about as tense as it's going to get. And in that scene, I openly gasped and threw my phone. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> and just like, oh, so you got to be... Because it's just so out of nowhere and perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jess, why don't you tell... tell? And again, spoiler alert if you didn't know yet. But why don't you tell the folks what happens if this... Just... There's no... I mean, the fact that the whole movie up to this point, they framed the shots like he's always in them. Which yeah. I think is amazing. Mm-hmm make you yeah. really uneasy and you yeah. for, and because of that you forget that this scene in the dinner sequence is framed like they'd frame a killer is behind you shot in any other movie and it's yeah. just oh my god <laughs> yeah actually before um cecilia has any kind of inkling that somebody else is there um in the evening after she's been to see adrian's uh, brother lawyer um, with her sister lawyer. Uh, she, you know, she and um, her police daddy and um, his daughter are all celebrating, you know, that the daughter is going to the fashion school she wants and she's getting this money into a bank account from Cecilia and all of this and they're celebrating but there's actually a shot a long shot from down the hallway yes yeah and you know i i really watching this movie again really made me appreciate these extra shots more because it's not like it's just at the end of the hallway it is slightly around a corner 
Mm-hmm. So you only have like a strip of vision to see, you know, Cecilia and um, police daddy and daughter like celebrating and having a pillow fight and having fun. And that actually gives the audience their first taste that maybe something's not quite right. So anyway, um, after Cecilia goes back to Adrian's house and finds this suit and puts it away in her little hidey hole in the closet that for Adrian being a genius and not figuring out an air vent to hide things little a little off but I'm I'm glad that they did something that sneaky because I mean obviously you have to hide things and Mm -hmm. do things like that if you're going to try to escape um a bad situation it would lead me to believe that that's not the first time she's hidden something there like Uh, like it's a trial and error like okay he never figured it out before so this is where this needs to go uh actually that's where her duffel in the beginning was yeah yep Mm -hmm. yep you're right vent in the closet and so you know if he didn't find it then i'm gonna stick it in there and hope he doesn't find it this time and that's damn right. good writing right there. Like it we're is. gonna sh- we're gonna yeah. show you so you can't as an audience go. He would have figured that out. Well, I already showed you that that character is not smart enough to have figured that out then. So there you go. Well, and <laughs> you know? I just I wonder if it's so simple that he doesn't figure it out. Right. You know. Um. And also with how much security he has at his house and security cameras, for many reasons, he does not have them in the closet which okay you know i mean i understand privacy and whatnot but well that's he had one in the closet it would have shown him where it was that speaks miles about toxic masculinity huh the only place the only place that he doesn't want to Mm -hmm. check is his own closet oh shit yeah So anyway, she hides this suit in the house. Um, she's on her way out. And she hears Zeus, her puppy dog, start barking. And she's like, shit, somebody's here. Um, and she's hiding in the doorway of the closet. And she, of course, still can't see whoever's following her. <clears throat> Adrian. And um, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know... The door to the closet opens. Still nobody's there. And then she starts seeing footprints in the carpet. And she, you know, pushes him and runs by him. And eventually gets out of the house. And heads back towards the city. And calls her sister. And is like, please, please, I need you to come meet me somewhere public. Anywhere. Just meet me. Right now, I need you. And, um... So her sister shows up, being the good sister that she is, shows up, and, you know, Cecilia is like, I love you, I'm sorry, you know, I I didn't write this email, but I can't explain it, um, and I'm sorry for the things that were said in it, you know, I found this thing in Adrian's house that's going to prove that I'm not crazy, that... I'm being gaslit, like, this is, this is serious. And then, uh, her sister has, like, a look of unbelief and a disbelief 
and horror on her face. And they cut back to Cecilia, and there is a knife floating next to her. Oh. And all of a sudden, it goes, it flies across the table, cuts her sister's neck, and pops back into Cecilia's hand. And Cecilia's just sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? And, and we're sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yes, exactly. We're all just like, what the hell? And this woman, who honestly looks like Pink, um, just starts screaming from the next table and basically <laughs> mm-hmm. calls to attention. And actually, this is one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is um, Cecilia turns to look at her and she's still holding this bloody knife. And this woman today has already been through arguments. She's been thrown around a kitchen and a dining room. She's had to escape her invisible ex-boyfriend umpteen times. You know, she's been kicked out of the home that she's staying in she you know has driven out to the coast and back by an uber and she's had to convince her sister to come see her so this woman is not looking pretty and perfect she is disheveled she has got bags under her eyes she is tired like and she's just like she just turns and looks at this other woman and, like, just, like, not even with a look of shock or anything. She's just like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. What? And she's just sitting there with this knife. And um, eventually all the patrons in the restaurant, like, start screaming and running away. And uh, Taylor, the very upbeat waiter who very just very much just wants to do his job and get a good tip um, puts her down and detains her until the cops get there they put her in handcuffs and she's just trying to tell her story like I didn't do this, he did this I know he's here, I can see him which is gonna say you are mentally unstable pretty much you mm-hmm. know right and, and an important point was that the money was contingent on her mental um, stability. Yep. That son of a bitch. <laughs> you know? Yep. yep. And uh, so she winds up getting taken to a mental hospital. And um, she gets stuck wearing these uh, really hideous um, set of uh, sweatsuit, basically. Oh, in God, age, yeah. Which is, ugh. Um... And she gets visited by a police daddy and, I want to say, a friend of his with some surveillance video where she's, like, running down the street from the day before. Um, And they had also found that email that she had supposedly sent to her sister saying, I wish you had died instead of Adrian. So that's, you know, building this case against her. Um, and she's, she's trying to tell them, you know, I, I have this evidence. I found this thing, but I can't tell you about it right now because he's here and he's watching and, you know, just, 
I, please believe me. And, you know, they can't see whoever's in the room with them. I mean, neither can she, but she knows he's there. And, uh, and so, you know, they, she admits that that's her running down the street and she says she didn't write the letter and, you know, James, the police daddy, uh, is like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll look into this and I'll come back. And, uh, later on. Oh, no, Can ahead. I say something? Sure. If I were her, I would have, and this is, um, uh, this goes to also the, uh, the Morbid podcast review they did of this movie, uh, about how I would have, I would have been like, you know, this is a small room. If he's really here, let's like Red Rover this room and we can find him. <laughs> Just, you know, like, riddle me this, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. I mean, clearly she, you know, her brains were fried by that point. I mean, let's oh, face yeah. it. Understandably. Well, she had been sedated and cuffed down and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she was just, you know, removed from a restaurant for killing her sister. And she's spouting about some guy in her room that nobody can see. You know, they're they're going to, you know cover for her own good mm-hmm. um, so anyway later on in the day she gets a uh, visit from brother lawyer uh, her ex-boyfriend's brother who was uh, her ex-boyfriend's lawyer who was the one who was handling his estate in his demise and um Actually, before this, there was a scene where she had gone to see Brother Lawyer again and was like, tell him to stop. Tell him to leave me alone. Whatever. And Brother Lawyer is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, I know he's alive. And Brother Lawyer just pulls out a photo of uh, Adrian on the floor, bloody, how he completed suicide etc etc so you know he's got all this evidence to show you know adrian is dead and uh so he goes to um talk to cecilia and is like well you know obviously you're mentally unstable so you have to give out the money um and she's like you know what i don't really care just tell him to leave me alone etc etc and she feels bad because you know she started putting money away for sydney you know police daddy's daughter and he uh he at the end um he's like but there is one thing you know and uh actually while she was at the mental hospital she finds out she is pregnant which you know in an earlier meeting we find out that that's what adrian really wanted like he wanted a baby with her like that was the end all be all he wanted to continue his bloodline etc etc so brother lawyers like you know on the dl there's one other option and that's get back together with adrian have this baby live a life with him you know and everything will be fine. 
which a solidifies everything she's been saying and that Adrian is still alive and is after her and B that brother lawyer knew all of this the entire time and has been gaslighting her um, and so she sweeps the paperwork and stuff off of the desk he's like no you know I'm never going back to him and what brother lawyer doesn't see is she steals a pen one of his fancy gold pens from him and hides it and a little bit of uh, gum that was used to keep a piece of paper on the table and um, that comes into play later on after bed check she had uh, secured a pen in the shower stall and uh, it looks like she's about to attempt suicide and she jams herself in the arm with the pen I was like, no, no, she's just drying him out. It's okay. Because um, <laughs> she she got herself in, like, a part of the arm where it obviously wouldn't be critical. Right. right. He grabs her arm, and she's like, gotcha, and starts stabbing him with this pen and just screaming, fuck you, you know? Like, she's so over and done with this. And uh, the an orderly... Um, comes into her an officer the security officer comes into her room and is like what is all this noise you need to keep it down um the suit starts blinking in and out which this is even creepier to me than oh yeah oh definitely yeah not being able to see him just this black mass blinking in and out so he's there and he's not and he's there and he's not and it's Oh, it's just so crazy. And um, he's got, like, this crazy amount of strength. So, like, the officer goes to stun him, and he turns around and stuns the officer. And she runs out of the room and is trying to make a break for it. And all of these other officers come down, and, you know, he disarms and takes each of them down one by one. And um, he's not actually trying to kill any of them. But, like, there's one point where he's holding a gun and there's a cop down on his knees, or a security officer down on his knees, and he's like, bang! And the guy just, like, freaks out. And so, you know, it's... I I totally would be in the same spot just seeing a gun floating there by itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they get outside and it is raining. And this... This is the most suspenseful scene. Oh, Yeah for Mm -hmm. me is being out in the rain she's out trying to find him which you would think being in the rain would be easier but um not really and they're out in this parking lot so there's you know a bunch of places to hide and basically it's this cat and mouse game and um eventually he's hiding under a car uh, hatch that is open so that he's not being given away by the rain. And um, they go back and forth and eventually he's like, you know, you'll never win. And um, if something happens to that little girl, it'll be all your fault. Um, Meaning that he's heading back to 
you know, take care of Sydney and police daddy. Um, so she heads back to their house and, uh, James, police daddy, is on duty. So it's just Sydney at the house by herself and she starts getting a weird feeling and she's just woken up. And she gets this weird feeling, and she grabs mace out of her nightstand and just starts spraying it in her room, just around her. And all of a sudden, something, like, starts knocking things over on her dresser and bumping into things. She starts freaking out. <sighs> Bless you. Excuse Bless me. you. Thank you. And, um... I guess uh, Cecilia had called police daddy and he got home real fast and he's trying to figure out what Sydney is freaking out about because she ran out of her room and got closed lined like holy buckets like feet off the floor horizontal drop like it it was a really fantastic move I must say. Um, but James comes in and, uh, he's got his gun drawn. He can't figure out what the hell is going on. All he sees is his daughter on the floor and all of a sudden he's getting the snot kicked out of him and he's trying to fight back. Can't see what's going on. And, uh, you know, his gun got kicked out of the way. You know, he tries reaching for it. He gets pulled away. Cecilia finally gets there, grabs the gun shoots the invisible man. Whew. You think everything's good, right? Wrong. She unmasks him only to find out it's brother lawyer. It's not Adrian. And the police go to Adrian's house and find him tied up in the basement. Like he had just been stuck there. So, in Adrian's story, he goes from completing suicide to his brother going crazy and stalking Cecilia and him being tied up in the basement. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but, you know, there he is. He's fine. And so, Cecilia just wants to put an end to this. And so, you know, a couple days later, um, she calls Adrian and was like, you know what? We need to talk. You know, we need to meet up. Let's, let's, you know, kind of give this a try. And she goes to his house and he's like, Hey, I didn't know what you would want, so I kind of just ordered sushi, steak, and pasta buffet here. Um, which, sushi, not a good idea for a pregnant woman. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, red meat, still not the best idea for a pregnant woman, but still not as bad as sushi. Um, so she, <laughs> she decides she's going to have the steak. And we know and, why. <laughs> we know why <yes>. soon. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, she's she's sitting there talking to Adrian. 
and she's like, if you want to have a part in this child's life, I need you to admit it, to admit that you did all this stuff and be honest with me and open because we can't have a relationship without that. And he's pretty much like, that was my brother. I don't know what you're talking about. And we find out why she's being so calm is that she is miked. And police daddy is in a car close by recording everything. And, uh, you know, he... I forget what the exact line was. But he just wanted it to be a surprise. (laughs) Which ties it in for her but still doesn't implicate him. Yeah, he's literally telling her, I'm admitting it to you without admitting it. I love that Mm -hmm. bit. Yes. And so she she knows there's no way to get him on this. So she excuses herself, go use the restroom or whatever, because if you've ever been pregnant, you have to pee all the time, and it stinks. Um, (laughs) But... All of a sudden, Adrian just grabs a knife and slits his own throat. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And um, Cecilia comes back from the bathroom and is, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what happened? Let me call the police. Da, 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 da. And uh, after she's off the phone with the police, she steps back out of camera view. And she's like, oh, yeah, I knew you wouldn't admit to anything, so surprise. How how her facial expressions change as she backs up and hangs out and is out of view of the camera. That is just like chef's kiss acting right there. Like That is why Elizabeth Moss is an acting genius. If there's not a Best Actress nomination for her in this movie, something got really messed up this year. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like, I, I honestly don't know who could have pulled this role off better than her. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, the only other thing I can remember seeing her in is Us, which yes. was mm-hmm. pretty fun. I did not watch The Handmaid's Tale. I watched a couple episodes. It was not for me. Um, but I just, you know, I I thought she was really great in Us, and she did a phenomenal job in this movie. And um, as she's walking out the door with Zeus and the stuffle bag, um, police daddy comes running up. And he's like, what, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. He just, he, you know, it looks like he slit his own throat. And he's like, but... Did he really? And she's like, that's what it looks like, isn't it? And she and... kind of gaslights a little bit there, very mildly. But I love yeah. it. She, she, she's yeah. like, you, you think he was a good gaslighter. You haven't met me. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I, I learned something in all this. And so, you know, he, he's, he doesn't have anything against her and he can't say anything because he's got nothing and so he's like yeah I guess (laughs) and that's uh, that's kind of how the movie ends Um, so yeah is there anything you guys wanted to say about this movie 
yeah, I just I think I think it's pretty much perfection. Yeah. Um, just in in every in every sense of the word, uh, you know it. Um, it's very you know it's very topical you know with Me Too. Yes. Especially, which I loved, and we'll we'll talk about how Hollow Man is in a lot of ways too. Actually, rewatching yeah. it, Hollow Man inserts that stuff in there that that in two thousand, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even see it, and that that's Ooh, yeah. that that's mm-hmm. that uh, that Paul Verhoeven Chef's Kiss that he adds, where he's always, well, we'll get there, but that that guy's always <laughs> sticking stuff like that in. Yeah, um, I did want to mention again the MVP of this movie is Sydney. Oh God! Yeah. Um, on so many levels, like when uh, um, Cecilia is making breakfast and it starts on fire, you know, Cecilia is about to put it out with water, and Sydney walks in and is like, "No, no, 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 we don't put right. the fire out with water. Here's, you know, the the fire extinguisher, you know, and." You know, she's she's so helpful and, you know, kind to Cecilia with all this going on. And she's kind of the voice of reason here and there. And she, you know, when Cecilia's having a hard time, she, you know, is trying to pick her up. And, you know, Cecilia... Or um, Sydney, you know, anytime Sydney's like, oh my god, there's something here. Cecilia's like, mace, grab my mace right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, not like, that's her first, you know, thought. Not, are you sure? Maybe there's not. It's like, nope, you're saying this, I'm, I'm believing you, etc., etc. And so, you know, for this girl to be, you know, such... A hardcore side player in this movie was really great and she is there from the beginning to the end she did just a truly fantastic job in this movie no absolutely and and the cast of this is really damn good um yes. when you have a role like adrian's from oliver oliver jackson cohen who you know could be very one note like he's he's the villain, he's vile. We know from the beginning that even if even if it is he's dead the whole time and the reveal was that the brother was the one in the suit, he, there's no going back to that relationship. Like you know it the whole time just by his body language and what she's told us and how she acts. And he exudes that, but he adds, even though he's not on screen that much, he adds so much to the character. And it was incredible to see him pop up in The Haunting of Bly Manor using his um, original Scottish accent. And that mm-hmm. blew me away even more. I'm like, wait a minute. No, like he was just an American dude bro tech guy. Like what? 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 <laughs> Where did that come from? Like, because he played it too well. He played like the, you know, poor man's Elon Musk, like way too well in this movie. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. It, 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 you know, I'd like to give a good transition um, into Hollow Man by saying, you know, to change gears from this movie to Hollow Man, even though rewatching it, and I know Stefan's going to get into this, there's a lot more, I think, 20 years separated that Hollow Man has going for it than I think it was given credit for at the time because the difference between Invisible Man and Hollow Man wholeheartedly is that Hollow Man is straight up trying to be a late 90s, early 2000s slasher movie with a pretty box around it, whereas Invisible Man is trying to be, you know, the elevated 
I use that in a negative way because elevated horror is just horror in my opinion. But this is like high concept. Um, whereas mm-hmm. Hollow Man was not trying to be anything other than, you know, what if we, you know, make a slasher movie with the Invisible Man? Um, but I think they inserted a lot more than we give it credit for. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that in the year 2000, okay, in Hollow Man cost. 2000. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hollow Man cost $95 million. And it all shows up. And, and it does all show up. Yeah. But let me tell you, in today's dollars, <laughs> that's $144 million. I was okay? going to say, yeah. Uh... The Invisible Man was made this year and cost $7 million to make. Yep. Right. Just a reminder at how... Now, again, The Invisible Man goes for a lot more subtlety in, in camera work. But at the same time it still pulls off some very similar sequences to what hollow man pulls off on a much smaller mm-hmm. budget. Now, granted, I mean, you've got already, you've got Josh Brolin and Kevin Bacon, you know, and, and, and Elizabeth shoe, you know, you've got these people that were big at the time, but you know, and you have fiery explosions and destructions yes. of whole sets. Yes. yes. But, yeah. but as far as the slick look, you know, for an early two thousands movie, Holloman, like you said, it all shows up on screen. So mm-hmm. I'm glad. It's just a fun transition to go. We just talked about this movie's going to win Academy Awards to the Hollow Man, which I think was nominated for Academy Awards yep. for special effects. It the visual effects lost to it, Gladiator. I'm it, well. There you go. Right. <laughs> but but I mean, Hollow Man deserved that nomination. But yes, um, you know, I, I think when we. I think separated when we weren't just in the middle of, oh, I roll. This is just like every other movie like it. I think it has a lot more going for it than we give it credit for. So, Stefan, with that, um, let's talk Hollow Man. Yeah. Well, Hollow Man was released in uh, 2000. It was the final uh, American film that Paul Verhoeven uh, has directed. He directed uh, uh, Total Recall, RoboCop, uh, Basic Instinct, my guilty pleasure movie, Showgirls. Yay, and Starship <laughs> yeah. Troopers. And, and Starship Troopers, yeah, which I'm, which I liked that movie right when it came out. I know a lot of Me people too. didn't. I always Me thought too. it was good. Um, and yeah, and I love Basic Instinct and Showgirls. I I love, I love, and I love Hollow Man as well. So, so uh, do I. Yeah, the uh, one of the underrated stars, or maybe the biggest star of Hollow Man, I think is. Jerry Goldsmith's score. Yeah. Those oh, that opening credits score like oh my oh my god, it is just perfection. It's like it, it's it's like the strange it's like for me like the Stranger Things theme. No, it's, it's, it's so an all timer. And like I said, I hadn't watched this movie in 17 years when that score mm-hmm. kicked up. I was like, Yay, Hollow Man! Like I had just watched <laughs> it like yesterday. The score's so good. It yeah. is. Yeah, and I don't know if I'll do a full summary of the movie, but um, it feels very, very 2000. Like yeah. you said, late 90s, early 2000, you know, you got like the, the styles, which are not that dated generally, but it's hard to think this movie's, you know, 20 years old now, almost 21 now. And um, I love, another thing I always loved, even as a teen when I first saw this, was Elizabeth Shue's hair. Yeah, I thought it was. I was on point. I thought on point, and she was probably her best looking. I would say in this movie thus far. No, yeah, she's, um, she's gorgeous in this. She movie. is. She's really underrated. It's really total underrated. power hair too. Like y- y- yes, yes. And that's 
And that's the type of thing that I think um, is a really cool parallel. One of the first you see is that this movie wrote a strong female character. And in the 2000s, they weren't doing that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Elizabeth Shue would have been would have been the neighbor. Not to say that was it Rona Mitra, is that? Yeah. Um, not to say that she couldn't have played that role, but she's you know she's something for Kevin Bacon's character to ogle. And normally those characters would have been the same character in this mm-hmm. movie, but instead it's like no 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 we're we're gonna have you know these be separate things. And I I thought that was um very different. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, um, I think all the women in the movie are there for Kevin Bacon to ogle. Yeah. And, you, and you more than ogle, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Way more. Think, Way um, more than ogle. Elizabeth Shue is the, um, is the steak where the other women are hamburger. Hamburger, yeah. Um, not not where women Shue. meet, but... Oh, God, Elizabeth Shue. I feel like, again... I still I, I I respect this movie for what it's trying to do, but in comparison to the Invisible Man, that just Elizabeth Moss's performance, like I said, they give us so much in her performance to get what was going on without showing it. Every scene that Bacon and Elizabeth Shue are in this, where he's you know just all over her, yeah. you know, basically doing everything but straight up going for it is so uncomfortable and it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be it's supposed to be but i just hate that the movie puts us in his shoes to start instead of like hers because it Mm -hmm. makes you kind of go is the movie thinking he's freddy krueger like am i supposed to be having fun right now because i am not (laughs) you know right or are we is he the i mean technically she was billed before him right yeah so Mm-hmm. He just cut you off, Steph, and it's just those are some of the things where it's like Paul Paul Verhoeven um, is quoted in Starship Troopers when people said, eh, "You're a Nazi. You made a Nazi movie," and he said, "No, no, 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 no. Go back and watch it." He said, "The way to show these types of things, the worst way they can be shown, is to show you a world in which it works." Mm-hmm. He said, "Show a world in which the villains are succeeding." That makes you as an audience member go, wait a minute, they're not supposed to be the good guys. But then the movie goes, but they're the good guys. And you go, no, no, they're not. And if they show you that, that's much better to get you to revolt against it when you go, I can't let that happen. And I think that's what he's doing with Bacon here as well, is he's saying, like, literally all of the women characters in this movie are saying, I didn't like him before he was invisible. And what could he do to me now? It's kind of yep. like, this is a touchy boss that no one ever, you know, squashed before. And that's not good. Well, one of the similarities between the two movies is actually uh, Elizabeth Shue and Kevin Bacon had dated yes. before. Or, you know, Linda and Sebastian had dated before. And um, it didn't work out. And... You know, I did not know that. It's it's you know it's very briefly touched upon, um, but you know that's that's kind of why he's so crazy um, that she's now seeing another workmate. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what sets the whole thing off. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no. Of course, of course. Yeah, they dated in the movie. I thought you meant dated in real life. Sorry, I'm like, oh, oh, no, no. Was he married to Kira Sedgwick? Long, long time they've been married. Sorry, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but, yeah. In the movie. controversy podcast, right? Yeah, 
<laughs> off the record, off the record. Edit this out, Chris. It'll <laughs> be funny to leave it in. I'll <laughs> yeah, no, um, and that's actually one of my favorite things um, in Hollow Man is that, you know, she's not afraid to clap back at his, you know, smarmy comments where the other women don't because he's big boss man. Mm-hmm. You know, where she's yeah. known him intimately and is like, well, you know, da-da-da, whatever. Yeah, if you have to take the thermal goggles with you to the bathroom because you're afraid your boss is going to be in there looking at you take a leak, then this should not be your boss. That's cool. That's <laughs> For sure. Messed up. For sure. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, I just want to say, I always think of whenever whenever I hear or see anything Elizabeth Shue, I always think of Hamlet too. Always, Yay. always. I know, I know. Jess, you didn't like that movie, but um, I just, I always think of that movie whenever, whenever anything with Elizabeth Shue. It's an obscure one, and I, 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 I was, love it. I was yeah. very happy when I heard you mention it. That was one of my random rents from Blockbuster when I oh, was it's, there. Yeah, nobody, nobody like remember. Like very few people remember it. Yeah, um, but anyways, for a good yeah. reason. Oh. <laughs> Cut that out, Chris. Cut that out for sure. Um, oh, come on. We, we have to be able to rib on each other. It's I fun. know, but you remember, I, I was so bummed at when we saw when we met David Arquette, how like nobody. <laughs> I was the only one in what was there probably what a hundred people there, close to it, that yeah, you know cheered for that movie when he mentioned it. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, come on, people. The only one who cheered for that movie. <laughs> I was, I was. Yeah. I'm going to go back in time and join you and cheer for it. Okay. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and the movie really, uh, it, it has a very, like I said, it's very 2000 in the sense with the styles, and you have like the, um, uh, the, the like I, and I texted this in the group, like you have the random like. Hard rock interludes. Yeah, what what was this? Just out of nowhere. Like this movie's obsession with making us believe that Kevin Bacon was a 22-year-old new metal guy. It doesn't make any sense. Right, yeah. Yeah, and um progressive scientist scientist rocker guy. Yeah. Literally um, was 10 years older than every other actor in the movie at the time. But yeah. he got a new nose, and it's amazing. <laughs> right. And the, um, uh, you know, the, the the sweeping, and holy crap, the sweeping shots of D.C. in this movie are gorgeous. You know, D.C. Yes. is one of my favorite cities. I've been there a few times. My sister went to college out there. And just, like, I love, I love like, the shot when they're, when they're celebrating at dinner and nice. when... Uh, shoe and bacon are on the balcony just overlooking the Capitol. And oh my God, tear after last week's events. Right. Tear. Right. It was um, so topical. The, yeah. The movie, the movie is like, and this is weird to say about a lot of early 2000s stuff. The movie is gorgeous. It yes, is. They it filmed is. the shit out of this movie. Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven yeah. makes gorgeous. I, I, mean, I, like, think, yeah. what are you I think that with. Um how much of it was shot inside the lab they had to make up for it with some really gorgeous scenery yeah. and i've been to mm-hmm. DC a few times myself and it it really you know is gorgeous there yeah oh yeah and um uh and the and i guess you know what so i first saw this movie in 2002 
Um, I rented it, loved it, immediately bought it, showed it to Kyle, like, right away. He really likes it, too. And the, um, you know, like, and this little man does this great, too, with the technology, how they make it so fascinating. And even though this one is more kind of not realistic, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, with, you know, the technology and whatnot that they used then, um, actually being an anatomy buff, I thought it was really interesting to see, you know, the the veins and yes. the muscles and the fluids, how it went through to the heart and the organs and even the hairs coming back one by one and the skin was just so amazing and interesting and of course you know 20 21 years later now it's you know not so amazing but i still think it's pretty cool i i think no no, i think i think the effects the effects hold up i meant the technology more of like in the lab and within the context of the story i should rephrase that yeah no no that's so so both of those really good points of the, the wonderful thing, but also the not as wonderful thing about a movie filmed as beautifully as what Paul Verhoeven does is everything is crystal clear. You go back and watch, you know, Starship Troopers when he was playing around the technology and Starship Troopers, a lot of the digital effects don't hold up per se to like a new Star Wars film, but they're effective because the guy put grandiose cool stuff on screen mm-hmm. and this stuff at 17 years old, when I saw this in the theater, 16 years old, these things were horrifying because digital effects, you know, seeing the entirety of someone's body shape shift in and out of existence is a horrifying image. And I was really impressed when I watched this movie today that I still sat there and squirmed a little bit, even though it's super crystal clear and you can tell the colors are a little too perfect and it's a little too, you know, pre-rendered. But what's cool about it is that they always did it in a way that the things were interacting with practical things on set. You always had like a wire that was actually there being tugged and you, mm-hmm. and, and this is the, uh, the Robert Rodriguez, um, he used to do these things, 10 minute directing school where he'd talk <laughs> on like, you know, spy kids where he did all of the effects for spy kids in his garage himself, which I still think is amazing. Huh. And he would talk about how, See, you know, if you don't have the biggest budget in the world, as long as the majority of your shot is there, people will forgive a less than good effect if it looks like it's doing the right thing. And I think this movie is a like always having people there with like the, you know, um, um, like the to give like the heart shock and always having people interacting with the bodies really yes. sold what was happening. Whereas a movie a couple years later, like one of the Harry Potter films those effects hold up worse because they did that thing where like, Oh, if a person interacts with them, we'll make the person digital as well. And it's like, now I'm (laughs) fully removed. Whereas in hollow man, you know, they're interacting with a real person. Then when the, like the, the gorilla gets down off the seat, it's a guy in a costume as a gorilla walking around and it Mm. really sells that it's there. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. and I loved that about that stuff. Um, but back to Stefan's point about the technology, you know, I, I agree the, you know, um, the Invisible Man had something that's, you know, grounded in reality. This movie had stuff that was grounded more in, you know, the reality of every sci-fi movie we watch. Yeah. But the movie spent a lot of time making sure the rules made sense. 
Right. And I really liked that about it. It wasn't like uh, mm-hmm. like like the core. If you ever seen that, right? It's right. the biggest offender of that. Right, and it always reminds me of movies like Face Off, where the the technology is so bug nuts and would never work, but it's well directed <laughs> right. enough, and the movie spends enough time letting you know the rules and the whys and the hows that you fully believe that. Oh yeah! Not only will John Travolta put on Nicolas Cage's face, but it'll also change his entire body. You know, yeah. it's, I'm just gonna <laughs> accept it. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I just uh, a really a common complaint about this movie is that the is the final act. Yeah, it, it feels like a different film. That it it kind of like. Degrade is a wrong word because I love slasher movies, but it kind of it degrades to a slasher movie in the final act when they're all trapped. And I mean, you know, there are definitely some tropes there, but I don't think it's quite it's quite like that. I maybe I, wouldn't use the word degrade, but I might use the words um, like changes gears more. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I I don't look down on slasher films either, and. No. I really think it felt in place as to the madness of Sebastian Kane mm-hmm. and, you know, the spiral he went down and, you know, going absolutely crazy and wanting to leave and blowing up the facility. And, you know, he can't have witnesses, so he needs to get rid of everybody. And, you know, after having not slept for X amount of days and, you know, everybody trying to tell him what to do and this and that. And I just, I, I think it was, you know, a good yeah, way to go. No, I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I don't see, it's kind of hard to think of, yeah, another way to end it, especially when you have the isolated setting, you know, you have to take mm-hmm. advantage of that. I guess, yeah. I guess I can see. So this is, you know, you got to think about critics in the two thousands, because I, I feel like if hollow man had been made today, um, especially this year, it would have, you know, obviously with a, a little bit less of the need to remind us that Kevin Bacon wants to touch girls, naked chests. Like we could have a little bit less of that guys. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm a, I'm a straight guy, you know, at 17. Yay. Woohoo. I get to see something I shouldn't see looking back on it. Now it's kind of like, this is excessive guys. Like what are, what are we doing? Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, effects work during those sequences and stuff are really cool. Oh yeah. Um, how the interactions, but, but again, back to, um, uh, the point about the movie, I had forgotten watching it now up until the point Kevin Bacon gets turned invisible this movie is liquid tight and intriguing as hell mm-hmm. up to that point. And I think that the critics at the time were way less used to movies making a tonal change. Like very shortly after this, um, Wes Craven, God, it was more, it was longer after this, but I always think that they're closer, but Wes Craven did red eye and red eye was applauded. Yeah. For doing the exact same thing, Red I Eye love was that movie. I so do I. Yep. Red Eye was two acts of tension and incredible, yes. great writing and great actors just playing this game of verbal cat and mouse. And mm-hmm. then the third act goes, and also he's the Terminator. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> out of nowhere. And I loved that because the movie earned it. And mm-hmm. I feel I feel Hollow Man would you know this movie is like a thirty percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes, which is stupidly low it, it deserves yeah. at least at least 50 or 60 yeah. minimum 
and, and again, I can get people not liking the tonal shift, but I mean, yeah, okay. So uh, Paul Verhoeven is never known for the best. Um, let's say his movies are always well written, and this one is no uh, different. He's never really known for the best dialogue. He tends oh, to God, write, no, he no. Tends to like to have writers that write people really stupid, and you know, like well, and he, he wants unlikable main but, characters, especially. Like, even like Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Shoes, like, you know, one of their first scenes where they're in bed together is like, if we're going to have a conversation other than who's on top, I don't want to have it. And I'm like, people right. don't talk that way. Um, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> like, you just like, okay, this is fun. I get it. Like, and, and they're great actors, so they're selling it. But I'm like, people just don't talk that way, guys. <laughs> You know, but uh, and and Starship Troopers had a lot of those problems too, where you just showgirls. That was all showgirls. Showgirls is nothing but like, oh, did man. a computer generate your words and forget to establish that you were human? The <laughs> like, dubbed version of showgirls is so funny. It's it's hilarious. Uh, I, I showgirls is so ridiculous. I can only assume that it was all intentional. That's how I like to accept showgirls. <laughs> I, I I I don't think so, honestly. No, I don't either. I just want to accept it. Oh yeah, because I, I respect so many people involved in it. You sit there and mm-hmm. go, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> like like I remember seeing it really young and going, "This is supposed to be like exciting," and I just feel bad for everybody. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, Verhoeven was like one of the well, yeah, Tom Glockland. They were like the only ones to come out of that movie unscathed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, somehow. Um, but yeah, and uh, you know, and like I said, I I don't mind that about Hollow Man, the tonal shift. I think it, like you said, it does. It very much earns it. And I mean, you know, it is. And we want to talk about you know superhuman strength. And this is one flaw I think this movie has is that. It doesn't, you know, like, there must have been something in that serum that gave him, you know, heightened adrenaline or something. With everything he survived at the end, there's just no way he would still be moving around. And I wish they would have maybe explained that, and they didn't. I mean, it's it's not a huge deal. I mean, we saw, you know, like, you know, in The Invisible Man, Adrian was able to pick up Cecilia, but... Yeah. You by know, the neck. Yeah, by the neck. And, and in Hollow Man, he did that with, you know, uh, Carter, well, yeah, um, the, the guy from whatever uh, show. Greg Grunberg. Greg Grunberg, yeah. From, oh, I love him. Yeah, he's really underrated. He uh, um, just, you know, that Sebastian could do, you know, from that, like, pick up a guy that size. And it's just like, whoa. And among, you know, other things, like getting, you know, burned all over your body electrocuted you know every just everything it's like no you would not you wouldn't survive unless if you had some kind of a superhuman strength which you know again not a huge deal they didn't explain that but it might have been nice uh well i think um by that point he had really just descended into madness and oh well, well, yeah. Know, yeah obviously you know his body probably he he wasn't paying attention to his body anymore. Like, ow, oh my god, this hurts. I can't go on. Like, no, must kill now. <laughs> I mean, th- oh, there's there's gosh. that's for sure. I mean, that's only to an extent, of course. But I mean, I can buy heightened adrenaline, of course. Yeah, heightened adrenaline, or just the you know we injected him with something that was irradiated, so everybody knows that irradiated people usually get superhuman. So we're just going to not explain it away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Holy. 
Yeah, I mean, I, how that works. <laughs> yeah. So, so funny. So, so Verhoeven, um, as an aside, is known for having hilarious special features in his movies. I don't Hollow know, Man does as well. I don't know if you both have seen the Hollow Man ones. Jess, have you seen them? Uh, seen what? The special thing? features for the Hollow Man. Oh, like, no, where, like I have Like, the behind the scenes. So, so Verhoeven, again, is Dutch and strange. Um, and he was so excited, and this special feature is on the DVD. I think it was even on the HBO, like, making of. He was so excited to bring Kevin Bacon in and show them the digital model of Kevin Bacon for, like, the half-invisible, half-not-like sequences. And yeah. he was so excited because he goes, we have drawn up penis for you. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon is like, excuse me, and he goes, you pick. And he's like showing them like a a range of different size. And Kevin Bacon goes, why not just draw mine? And he goes, ha you get to pick. <laughs> and he just goes, I guess I'll take the one in the middle. This is weird. <laughs> it's just because Verhoeven was so excited. He's like, this American man, he's going to want me to make him better. Ah, I can do this. Because <laughs> it's it's really only like in one or two shots you see it, you know. I think yeah. it's an IR camera where you just. But it's, and it's it's pretty modest. It's yeah, no, he did he 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 did a good job, you know. But it just and that one in RoboCop, there there's a there's a scene in RoboCop where the Ed nine thousand or whatever just destroys a guy in a boardroom, and it's one of the bloodiest scenes ever filmed. Um, Hollywood has said, and Verhoeven is on the set, and he goes, "All right, so the set, the 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 tiny city that's in the background here came in, and it's all white. Um, we wanted you to approve it before it goes in to have the final paint put on." He goes, "No, the white is perfect." And he goes, "Well, no, we're gonna add like colorist looks to see. No, no, white is perfect. It will show the blood better." And you're like, "This guy's out of his mind." He goes, "We need more blood," and like he's just sitting there like with a hose off camera, like spray. You're like, "This guy is out of his mind." <laughs> But he just has so much damn fun. And I just like, yeah, I always that like he was giddy to show Kevin Bacon his choice for manhood, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. On the the topic of Paul Verhoeven, he um, I have here. So he was not happy with Hollow Man. No, he wasn't. And in a 2013 interview with The Hollywood Reporter, he remarked, I decided after Hollow Man, this is a movie, the first movie that I made that I thought I should not have made. It made money and this and that, but it really is not me anymore. I think many other people could have done it. I don't think many people could have made RoboCop that way or Starship Troopers. But Hollow Man, I thought there might have been 20 directors in Hollywood who could have done that. I felt depressed with myself after 2002. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, you know, I can, it's definitely his most Hollywoodized movie. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I can see a lot of directors getting that way because even with like Starship Troopers, a lot of the stuff was on set. And in this movie, there's a ton of effects work. I mean, $95 million in 2000 is a huge Mm -hmm. budget. Like, that's, that's not a tiny amount of money. Like, for example, um, I think, uh, what is it? Um, like now, like I think that's around what Birds of Prey cost, and that was considered a small budget. But mm. that's also right. worth that. But in but that's a hundred and sixty million dollar movie now. That's what Wonder Woman cost. You know what I mean? Like this, this is big money. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
I think we should touch on how uh, Hollow Man. We mentioned, you know, it does it does really fit into the the modern Me Too era. Yes, very very well. Um, you know, you got uh, Sebastian who, you know, basic basically is like a serial rapist. Let's just call it like it is. And and if Verhoeven got his way with his original cut, it was full on shown on screen. And I yeah, I am kind of glad they just alluded even him. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I just scared her, and it's like that's enough to know that you're a creep and we know what you did, but the movie didn't yeah. have to show it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was obvious what he did even without us right. seeing it. And just, you know, the, um, uh, one of my favorite effects though in the movie is when he, you know, feels up, uh, uh, Sarah, Sarah, Kim Dick. Yeah. Kim Dickens. So, so underrated, such an underrated actress. I'm so glad she's finally made it big. I'm so glad she finally. Yeah, and she she is incredible in that scene. Yes, that that is not. Um, but I don't even want to know how they did those effects because that is that is a very uncomfortable position to put yourself in. And yeah, like the 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 shirt which you can see is like the buttons are being undone with fishing line, and it's still fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like like Jesus, guys, <laughs> like this is uncomfortable, and I I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and just, you know, the, uh, and, and like you said, Jess, it really, it made a difference how, you know, uh, Sebastian and Linda had a relationship beforehand, Mm -hmm. you know, so kind of like she, she knew, you know, and she's like, Sebastian is not that great. Trust me. Yeah. And she always rebuffed everything he did. the, The fact that she is able to like, them too as an act as actors do a great job of showing like every time he's trying to i guess put on his charm because you know in the year 2000 men's charm is to just you know attack um and she 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 not only like gets the upper hand she lets him think that he's making it somewhere and then completely shoots him down with either great dialogue or a push mm-hmm. away. She just yep. emasculates him immediately. And it's wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. And also, um, what was I going to say? Uh, lost my train of thought, but that's okay. But there's um, just an incredible way that the two of them had of showing you that they had been together before. Yeah. Um, that I think was a really important factoid that the movie didn't need to, it didn't need to, to, to make it play itself out. But, Oh, I was going to, I got it back. Um, the fact that just like in the invisible man, we don't need much shown about their relationship for her to have a dream after he's invisible of him, um, um, taking advantage of her in her bed. Like mm-hmm. yeah. that was an incredible, like, it's like, so she has to have known there has to have been something about his actions before that would allude to he could get rough like this the minute he, you know, didn't have any reality to hold him back anymore. And I, and, and again, Bacon, Bacon is a great actor and oh, this yeah. movie is mm-hmm. no different. Like he's, he, he's not phoning it in here. He is terrifying in this movie. No, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he, no, he is. And, and I never realized this too, but the title also kind of means, and this is thanks to uh, uh, Megan Navarro, I think it was, who wrote an um, a op-ed for, when, for Hollow Man's uh, 20th anniversary, maybe it was right before The Invisible Man came out, how, you know, the title Hollow Man, it's yes. not just being invisible, it's because, you know, he's superficial and 
hollow mentally yep. in that regard. And it's like, yep. oh, yeah, there we go. And, and all of these things are why I think that Verhoeven's just being too hard on himself. I think, I think this, you know, is definitely more Hollywood than he normally is. Mm-hmm. But it fits right in with his canon of making things that are about more than they seem like they are at surface level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it. Um, yeah, and just just like I said, the and in in terms in terms of the themes, with uh, especially and this is explicitly in the workplace. Yeah. On top of it, too, you know, not not just you know, I mean, which you know, obviously, everyone you know. People have known, you know, for a lot longer, you know, that abusive relationships are wrong than, you know, workplace harassment. Well, right. I mean, back, thing, back then it was quote unquote harassment, but today it is. The yeah, the thing cool. with, you know, this is that Sebastian kind of treats this workplace as his own kind of playground. Whereas yes. if it was, you know, a retail store or a regular office, you know, it would be different. But no, there's like he is like the top level, basically in this, you know, laboratory. You know, this laboratory that is far, far underground, and the only people who know what's going on in this laboratory are the people in it. Like in the movie, um, Linda and Matthew or Matt have to go. Like they threaten to go tell like the their higher ups that you know he's misusing power and they you know they went ahead and did a human trial without actually having the green light for it and things like that so i mean he uh sebastian really again feels like this is his playground and he can do whatever he wants and the only person that's really opposing him is Linda. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I love and she's a woman. What does she know? I love the agency and ownership they give her in, in her role too. I, I love how when the shit hits the fan, her and Josh Brolin's character, but particularly with her call, she says, We're gonna go to the superiors with this and don't worry none of you other folk here, especially the other women, you know what I mean, are um, complicit in this. You didn't know. We hid this from you. And it's like that ownership of, yeah, you know, maybe I've been a little too soft on Sebastian this whole time. Maybe I'm part of what enabled him to be able to act the way that he does. And I'm ending it right the fuck now. And I yeah. I love yeah. that about that character. And that's so different you know, in in any other, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, Brolin, Brolin actually plays a good version of the the anti toxic masculinity in this movie. He's yeah. he's a partner mm-hmm. with her in what they do. He's very good at his job, but doesn't overstep her job. You know, he's basically a tech to what she does. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, at the end of the day, he's unable to save her where any other movie would have him doing that. You yeah. know, and well, I think and that's, that's really important. Yeah, that's well, that's one of the reasons she started, you know, seeing him and being with him is because he is basically the opposite of Sebastian. He's all the good parts because he knows the B and the C, as it was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He needs the B and the C. He doesn't just go from A to D and damn everybody else in the middle. Yeah, but I think um, with Linda, 
Um, I think part of the reason, you know, that she let Sebastian go so far and to test on him is because she wanted to see it too. She didn't want to go through the red tape. This is, you know, she's passionate about this project too. She wants to see it. You know, if we can do it with an ape, let's see how it does with a human, you know? So it's, and they, it's again, good of her to say, you know, you guys were not part of this. You guys were just under orders. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically taking the fall for all of that and for Sebastian, you know, going ahead with everything instead of going through the channels that they were supposed to. Right. I agree. Yeah, so it's not just, you know, her just letting him, like, go off. It's like she she wants to see this, too. Like... And, and that's a cool thing is they never stopped writing them. And again, a lot of these characters are throwaway characters that are embodied by really good actors. And so mm-hmm. the script gives them or they take it to levels of they all seem like scientists. Like I've worked in a lab like this, not making people invisible. But the, you know, the, <laughs> the give and take and the way the people act seemed like this didn't seem like a Hollywood set. This seemed like, no, this would function this way. You know, mm-hmm. definitely. And I, and I really appreciate. And again, God, we're, you know, it's it, I can't wait for someone to listen to this and go, wow. In 2021, people are here talking about this movie that a lot of people forgot. And I mean it. This movie is <laughs> it. And again, not to discount, I think Invisible Man hits a lot of these points a thousand times better than Hollow Man did. But Hollow Man was doing them 21 years ago and in a movie that everybody just remembers as being a dumb slasher movie. And it's, I think, a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. It is. No, it very, very much is. Yeah. I just, um, there's definitely differences, though, between the two movies. Like, Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. with, with Sebastian, who, you know, was turned invisible um, along, you know, kind of the same lines as the original Invisible Man was turned invisible um, and taking that, you know, one step further into 2000s and in a lab and that they're trying to do this for military research and whatnot. Whereas, you know, in 2020 in The Invisible Man, um, it's a suit and you can just take it off, you know, so he's does he doesn't have Adrian doesn't have that descent into madness. He's just a toxic abusive asshole yeah mm-hmm. right the invisibility doesn't change what it, what we've already been established and right. it already was yeah and i mean I, sebastian with sebastian you could say it amplified it i oh, think yeah. sebastian it, it gave him the um it took the boundary down yeah he didn't he he basically believed he was god and now he is god mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah more or less but then it it also, you know, eventually wound up wrecking him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what made him better made him worse. So, you know, in, you know, in just starting out like, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, mess with your hair and I'm going to blow some papers around and I'm going to play thermogoggle hide and seek to I'm going to push societal boundaries and... Oh, you're watching me tonight? I'm going to, 
you know, see what happens while you're asleep and I do this. Or, you know, um, I'm going to go get a few things out of my apartment. Hey, the hot neighbor across the street is home. Let's pay her a visit. And just really, you know, stepping up and stepping up and stepping up to the point where he just went into madness and could not, didn't mm-hmm. have a thought to stop himself. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe, you know, that was when Chris, were you the one who mentioned, you mentioned how, uh, because Sebastian, well, because, uh, how man makes us see Sebastian in these, you know, getting like amped up, amped up, amped up, you know? So in that sense, it was kind of necessary in that regard. Yeah. They, the movie deconstructs him, whereas, um, invisible man, puts us into no adrian's already broken we don't need to deconstruct him anymore Mm -hmm. what we need to make you do is how far does it really go the mystery Mm -hmm. in the invisible man was how insane is adrian and the um the mystery in hollow man is well this guy seems like he's a little weird but really to what depths like how bad can he really get and i really like that they give us kevin bacon in his apartment there you know going no, don't even think about it. Yeah. And it's like, you can see the, and and then the next thing, but who could, who will ever know? And it's yeah. like his one last, the thing, the P, one moral compass he still had is gone. It's yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. And there's no coming back from this now. And you're just going to go more and more insane. Um, it's it just, well, it's a really cool very different approach to the same material and I and I love that we have both of these movies. Yes. I was I was just gonna mention that like basically his step into rape um for what it for what it was um basically his next step from that was murder. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. And then where where was it going to go from there if he wasn't stopped? That's that's the interesting part, right? You know, right. the Invisible Man. That's all about control, right? Yeah, because he already has the business. He already has the money. He doesn't mm-hmm. need that. This is all about control. This is this is a cat and mouse game. I have this person that I believe I own, and now they're going to give me a child that I also own, and I mm-hmm. can't lose that. That's why he does all of his crap. This movie, it's you know fame and you know absolutely and there's not fame at that point no one's gonna know at that point this is just you know i'm i now no longer am human i am a god what how no one can stop me i can do anything i want and it's it's an unbelievable um amount of depth and layers for what amounts in its third act earned earned as it is to just and now it's a slasher movie and and i love that about it because it did such a good amount of time building it up that you care about everyone involved. None of the characters are throwaway at that point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Even, you know, the, the guy who's, you know, just the voice in the, you know, control room. Yep. You still, you know, give a hoot about him, but like, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, it's just him getting rid of everyone who knows, like, Mm-hmm. If if you think about it, an actual invisible person getting out into the world and nobody knows, 
is a little terrifying. Yeah, no, that nothing good will come mm-hmm. of it. No. Yeah, nothing good will come of it. Um, and I and I love the little details the movie has too, where it's like he he doesn't like bright lights and doesn't sleep because he sees through his eyelids. Yes. And yeah, that you know, if you try to explain it a little further, nothing is going to make sense. You know, well then, how does this happen and this and that? But it's like still, that's really cool that that's an added thing, and then that's why that's the movie's little wink to. And our effects budget isn't that great, so now he's going to walk around in this skin costume and wear sunglasses. But that's a nice nod back to the original Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, no, I, I love the I love the skin costume. I love the thing in the car where he scares the little kid in the back seat. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, but that was also, uh, you know, part of his descent into madness is that he could not sleep. And he and he couldn't see like himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's so vain. I remember that I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. that's some like Patrick Bateman shit. Yeah, like, that's like <laughs> not good. And then he yeah. says and then he says, it's amazing what you can do when you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror. Yes. Which. That, that quote has always like stayed with me ever since I've seen this movie. Oh, that's awesome. So I was going to say, uh, I'd like to get our final thoughts out on it because this has been an incredible discussion, but it is now 2.30 in the morning for um, your your faithful host. So uh, <laughs> I would um, I, I would love to uh, hear your guys' final thoughts on both these movies and also say that um, it's always good to, when, when we come up with these fighting films to go, oh, that movie's going to eat the other one's lunch or whatever. And then it turns out into just being a conversation just about what we love about both of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I love that about this because it doesn't always have to be one's better than the other, because quite frankly, in a what's a better film than the other invisible man wins all day long. But I, loved revisiting hollow man and realizing how much fun it actually was and how well made it was. And I didn't expect it to hold up as well. And so I, you know, I think these would be a great double feature to tell you the truth for anybody looking for a, you know, they're, they're different enough that it's like revisiting a friend rather than um, seeing somebody (laughs) rip somebody off. You know, what do you guys think? You know, I I will say, yeah, The Invisible Man edges it out, definitely. I mean, in terms of just a quality film and what went into it. Uh, but Hollow Man, in a lot of ways, is more fun yeah. to watch. It's kind of how I feel about, like, the original Scream versus Scream 3. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, which, you know, I think the first, of course, is better, but I think, you know... The third just to me has always been a little more fun to watch. It's just it's not it's not as in depth. It's way more campy. And mm-hmm. I know that I know that the original screen plays with camp, but the movie is still serious. Screen yeah. three is very screen three is just a full wink. Screen three is like, yeah, you, you see what we're doing. Just come out. Right. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I love uh, just both of these movies. I have loved Hollow Man since it came out. I had it on VHS, which is why I didn't see the DVD extras. Um, awesome. <laughs> but I, I really love the similarities of the movie. I love, uh, of both movies, I love seeing how basically they're taking the H.G. Wells Invisible Man story and just how it progressives progresses to fit 
the different times and the different technologies and, mm -hmm. you know, the stories. And basically the core is the same, that there is an invisible man for some scientific reason. But then, you know, the story around it blooming. Um, and I love the differences. I love that, you know, the 2020 Invisible Man is an edge-of-your-seat thriller the entire way, you know. Um, and it's, you know, it takes place over, like, a month. Um, whereas Hollow Man is a full-on journey from, you know, starting out learning about these characters... And eventually winding up in, I'm killing everybody and getting out of here. Yes. You know? Um, so I just, I love, love, love um, the journey that the story of the Invisible Man has taken. And I'm excited to see where it goes next. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. And, and that, that's, that's I think, the, the key takeaway from what I hope this movie is now this reset for what they were trying to do with the Dark Universe, like we mm -hmm. said earlier. And I think just giving these stories to fresh minds and fresh writers and fresh directors and just allowing them to turn it into something um, doesn't even have to be new. Just add something to it. Like, give it a reason to exist. Like, it, the Invisible Man easily could have just been, well, why do I need this? I've already have Hollow Man. Right. Yeah. If 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 this movie mm -hmm. was just I'm gonna have another shot of somebody's body, you know, going away and disappearing into bone, it's like you know what? I don't think another movie has to do that again after Hollow Man. I loved that being the effect that they used to show the um, phase changing of the um, oh brain shutting off the people in Doctor Sleep, the villains. I thought that was a really cool way to see that creep back up. If you guys haven't seen Doctor Sleep, it literally is the Hollow Man effect. Um, oh. Yeah, when the when the villains yeah. die, they like phase shift in and out of reality, mm -hmm. and, they, and huh. it's how it's described in the book. And I'm like, I'm picturing Hollow Man when I'm reading this book, and to see it put on screen was so cool. Um, but I don't think we need to do an Invisible Man movie again where a serum makes someone invisible. I think the the idea of it being something different is cool, and I can't wait to see what these directors bring to a to a vampire story, and I yeah. can't wait to see um someone else is doing Wolfman again mm -hmm. and i can't wait to see a wolf man through this type of lens like what that's gonna be yeah. you know stefan how about you oh yeah um you know follow us on facebook and twitter and yeah be sure to vote in the polls we want to you know we want to hear from you you know you can message the group directly awesome yes we do want to hear from you and share and talk and interact that's the best part of all of this um and Jess? Uh, okay. Um, well, I'm, you know, mostly just living my life at home and quarantining with all my, you know, amino compromised ways. And um, this is what's keeping me sane right now. Awesome. Um, and I, and I, and I love being able to do that. And uh, thank you for fighting the good fight and making sure people keep their friggin' masks on. Right? Yeah. For Fighting Films, this has been Chris and Stefan and Jess, and let's just keep those films fighting and keep the discussion going, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. 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 Bye.